0: Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Well, look, let me recap from last week. Last week we talked about worship and a few takeaways that I really want to get at here is worship's not all about how well you sing. Worship's not all about if you can play an instrument or, um, or if you're in a group or if you're by yourself or any of that stuff. Worship's a posture of your heart. And I'm recapping that because the same applies for what we're going to talk about today, and that's prayer. Now, two things I highlighted in worship was intimacy with God and vulnerability with God. What I mean by that is you're totally open and honest with God during worship. You're putting your heart in a position to say, all right, here goes. You can can see my inmost being, Lord. I invite you to see my thoughts, see my heart, see my motives, and I just worship you. Make sense? Yep. So today we're going to talk about prayer. And, um, and the same can be said for prayer, but I want to start off uh, with a little story in, uh, in prayer. Or not in prayer, but kind of my take. So you ever having a conversation with somebody, um, and it might be a parent, it might be a boyfriend or girlfriend, if you got one of those. Um, it might be a, a best friend or something. But it's a serious conversation. And it's one of those conversations you don't have in a group of people. You have it just you and that person. And while you're having that conversation, you're getting to a point to where you're fixing to share something that's really important to you, and they pull out their phone. Has that ever happened to y'all? I know that happens to y'all because everybody uses their phone when you're talking. So how does that make a person feel? Like if you're sharing something important, and right when they're talking, they pull out their phone, and they're looking at their phone, and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it makes you feel like they don't really value what you got to say, right? It's like, man, they don't really, they're not really paying full attention to what's going on here. You know, you feeling that, huh? So it's true, man, that's what happens. You know, it's like you don't feel like they value what you got to say. Uh, you start to think, well, man, maybe I got to say what's, you know, maybe what I have to say isn't very important. Um, and so that might happen with one person. Well, then it might happen with another person. And then it might happen with another person. And before you know it, if every time you're having a conversation with somebody, they're looking at Facebook or they're reading a text message or they're they're off in La La Land and they're not looking at you when you're sharing something important, pretty soon you're not really going to want to share anything important, right? It's kind of going to get to a point to where it's like, man, I just I guess I guess what I have to say don't matter. And so why am I bringing that up? Because a lot of times when we live in a, in a society that is so conducive to that. When we see that go on everywhere, we start to act and think like God feels that way. Does that make sense? So whenever I ask people, hey guys, do you pray? Do you spend a lot of time in prayer? Um, I sent that little pop quiz out a little ways back. And you know, to my surprise, a lot of people don't pray. You know, a lot of people don't pray. And I really believe it's, it's rooted in God's probably not listening to me or he probably don't, really care what I have to say or what I have to say is not important because we just subconsciously think that because people are always on their phones and people are always or never paying attention to us. Is that making sense, guys? So taking that in, in Matthew 19, I'm going to sum up the 1 through 12 of Matthew 19. So Jesus is, is having an in-depth conversation And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And so as you know, the Pharisees at this time, Israel's not that big of a place, right? Israel's not as big as the United States, not even close, right? It's like, I don't want to be off here, but I think it's like an eighth of the size of the United States, maybe smaller than that. Um, And so there's not a lot of people, which means there aren't a lot of Pharisees. So if the Pharisees are talking to Jesus, he's talking to like the heads of the heads of the churches at this point. And so this is a serious conversation. And then he's got his disciples. So he's got the guys who are calling him out. And then, you know, they're second guessing everything Jesus does and everything Jesus says. So he's got those guys. And then he's got his disciples, the guys he's trying to teach. So he's having this conversation and they're talking about some pretty heavy topics. They're talking about in this particular chapter, they're talking about divorce. And so the Pharisees are coming to him and they're asking him some tough questions, trying to stump him. And you could about imagine it, Jesus was human and God all at the same time, but his human qualities had to get a little frustrated at this point, I would about imagine. And so in the midst of all this stuff, we pick up here, Matthew 19, 13, these, these children run up to him and some parents bring their kids to him. So Jesus is in an, is in an intense conversation and these kids come up to him in Matthew 19, uh, verse 13 through 15, the NIV reads, Then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. I like in the New King James Version um, in Mark ten thirteen. it says, then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. So look at Jesus' response here when the disciples rebuked them. It says, but when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms and put his hands on them. So when I read this, I think. If we look at where Jesus was, he's in this intense conversation. He's defending the truth against his disciples. You know, he's trying to not let the Pharisees stump his disciples as the leader of his disciples. And so it's a it's a sticky situation. It's a heavy situation. And. In comes this crowd of people, and Jesus emphasizes the importance on the kids above everything else. Why? Well, what they wanted was prayer. And so Jesus is prioritizing prayer above anything else in this scripture. But this part here I want to camp out on, it says, um, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. So obviously what Jesus is not saying here is that, if you're a little child and you don't receive the kingdom of God, you missed your shot. That would make us all unqualified, right? If we, That means like, man, if you don't get saved as a child, you, you missed it, dude. So obviously Jesus isn't saying that. So what is he saying? Jesus is saying um, he wants us to look at children as a model, but he wants us to pull something out. He wants us to pull something out. So what do children have in common? Are, are, are in common with us and what can we have in common with them that would set us up to receive the kingdom of God? We've got a couple of things. So as he's using a child as an example, children are humble. So children are humble because, man, they really don't have a whole lot of life accomplishments to brag about. Children are three, four, five years old. What are they going to brag about? What are they going to outdo you on? Nothing. They're humble. And so I'd imagine when these kids came up to Jesus, they probably walk in, they see Jesus, they heard all this stuff about him. And so they're probably like, Jesus, Jesus, totally humble, totally humble. The next characteristic is dependent. Children are totally dependent. They're dependent on so much. They can't even, they can't even feed themselves at some stages of childhood. And even once they get to where they can physically feed themselves, they don't have a job. It's not like they can go out and supply for themselves. They don't, they don't pay rent. They don't pay the bills, you know. Children are totally dependent. And so here is Jesus is showing us humility, dependence. Children are also pure and innocent. And so when we think about that, sin is what makes us impure and sin is what takes away our innocence. And so when we think about kids, they have no willful sin in their life, you know. Like they they really, their moral compass of right and wrong it just kind of doesn't exist, you know they just follow what Mom and Dad said, but that's the extent of it. You know, you never see a kid running around shooting people, right There's just an innocence about children. And so if we camp out there for a second, if we we're, we're reflecting on what Jesus is, is trying to bring out here, which I believe is humility, dependence on him, being pure and innocent, we might look at ourselves and say, well man, I don't have the purity and the innocence of a child.' I don't have that. So where does that put me? So when I camp out here, um, and I want to say this. You know, we have the ability to be pure and innocent before God. We have the ability to be pure and innocent before God. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, we read this. It says, Therefore, if any one is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So this this is talking about getting saved. Right here Jesus is 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 talking or Jesus ain't talking, but Paul's talking. And he's saying if anybody gets saved, the the old creation is gone and the new has come. That's a that's a a picture of a spotless person. So when when you're forgiven, there's no there's no hanging that over your head. The Bible says that he throws those sins as far as the east is from the west, right? Are y'all awake in here? You all see? Amen. All right. Um, so later on, we, we, we know that if we're walking around in our Christian walk, we're not going to go unblemished and unspotted. I mean, we're going to slip up. We're going to have some sinful moments. And so then we can be encouraged with this. When we sin, God is faithful. First John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So when I think of purifying us from all unrighteousness, I think about this. I think about it in Isaiah when he's prophesying about Jesus in the Old Testament. So he's saying, hey, there is this guy that's going to come, and he's, he's spelling out everything that Jesus is going to do. And in Isaiah 118, he says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They, though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And so, so far we've got coming to God humble, coming to God depending on him in prayer, coming to God pure and innocent. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit more. And then we have lastly, being vulnerable to God. We covered that in worship, um, but being vulnerable to God. If you think about it, children are literally at the mercy of adults. I mean, we literally can overpower a small child, right? But you, you you don't see a little bitty cute innocent kid getting overpowered by an adult. The way that the adult looks at that kid is like they're precious, right? And so we acknowledge the same is true with God. When we're vulnerable to God, He looks at us always as though we're so precious to Him. And so those four things are the approach when you come to prayer. You come to prayer humble. You come to prayer dependent. You come to prayer pure and innocent and you come vulnerable to God. That's the foundation of your prayer. So the next part I want to get into is how do we pray? So how do we pray? Let's start with Matthew 6, verses 6 through 8. And Jesus is talking here, and he says, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your father who is in secret, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you even ask him. So again, it's a reoccurring theme. Jesus is addressing intimacy and prayer. I want to I wanna camp out on this for a second behind closed doors. I want you to think about the conversation I was talking about earlier. Picture in your mind that you're having that conversation and um, it, you're about to get to the the punchline, so to speak. You're about to get to the point in the combo when it's like, okay, man, I guess I'll come out and say it. And as soon as you say something that you're kind of second guessing saying or not, boom, that phone comes out, right? What a What a killer. And so when we think about Behind closed door situations, usually intimate things take place behind closed doors, like a, a heart-to-heart with your mom and dad. You know, like let's say it's just you and your mom or just you and your dad, and you have one of those heart-to-heart moments. Or let's say it's you and a friend of yours, and you're having just a real talk. Those don't happen in in, in public, right? Those don't happen in public. And so Jesus is talking about, he's, he's getting at the intimacy behind those types of conversations. So if we're not careful, though, we can think that, oh, wait a minute, we're not supposed to pray as a group? No, the carryover from that would be this. Let's say you're with your family, and you can have a heart-to-heart with mom and dad while your brothers and sisters are there, right? And that's how we are in the body of Christ. We're brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. So Jesus isn't saying, just to clarify, he's not saying you shouldn't pray in public. He's just saying that your heart needs to be right no matter where you are. Making sense? Okay. Next, like we mentioned earlier, we need some silence when we pray. We need some silence when we pray. And I'm fixing to step on some toes. But I'm going to read this verse first. Okay, so Hebrews 12, 1 in the NIV says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles throw off everything that hinders. The New King James reads like this, therefore since therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. You know, whenever I was training in mixed martial arts um, real heavily, we'd do this drill and we'd put this this sandbag on and then we would tie a rope <laughs> to our to the back of the sandbag to a tire. And we would do, it was like sled drills is what we called it, but we were kind of broke and so we used tires instead of sleds. But you would run and it would weigh you down. But man, you know, my top speed was probably like some of you guys speed walking when that stuff was attached to me. But the second I would take that stuff off, man, I could run quick. As much like that in our prayer with things that distract us, And guys, the number one thing that distracts you is this right here. There's so many people who say, but I can't hear God. I can't hear God. It's because there's so much noise going on in our lives. That's why we can't hear God. That's the biggest hindrance of our prayer. i gonna tell you that right now. That's the biggest hindrance, your cell phone. Now, I'm not saying cell phones are evil. I got one. I think they're great. I'm not saying Facebook's evil. I have a Facebook. I think they're great. Uh, Instagram, I'm just just starting to get cool and get an Instagram. So I'm not saying that those things aren't great. They are, but they're not so great when they're controlling us, especially when they're getting in the way of our prayer, right? And so when I read this, I, I see, therefore, let us lay aside every weight that's so easily, and it says, and sin, which so easily ensnares us. You know, I, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day And I'm telling you, I probably talked to them for 10, 15 minutes. And the whole time that we talked, I maybe got their eye contact for 30 seconds. I was so aggravated at the end of that conversation. It was everything I had. It was all the Jesus in me not to be like, hey, look, let's just talk later. I was so frustrated because they were all over the place. Their phone was out the entire time we're talking, looking all over the place. I wanted to just grab them by the cheeks and say, hey. We're talking right here, you know? It was so frustrating. And I think the Lord's got to feel that way sometimes. He's probably like, maybe not frustrated, but he's probably like, hey, you're down there. You're dealing with the situation and I'm dying to help you. My son literally died to help you. And I can't even talk to you because you're not listening to me. Does that make sense? Okay. Am I hitting that hard enough? Okay. While I'm at it, let me step on some more toes. And I'm stepping on my own because I'm guilty of this too. That's why I'm preaching with such conviction because God told me me this. This is where it's coming from. The other thing is I got a list of excuses, Um, but I'm so busy. I'm just too busy to pray. I'm just too busy to pray. I'm just so distracted with TV, Facebook, Instagram, Netflix, all these things. I have chores I need to do. I I do pray, but I got to go to church and stuff. You know, you you hear everything. It's every excuse. I got to feed the dog. I got a ton of homework. I just started homework and, man, this is just killing me. I got four books to read. I don't have time to pray. I got sports practice coming up. Hey, guys, let me encourage you with this. You ever heard of the term victim mentality? You ever heard of that? Raise your hand if you heard of that, the victim mentality. It's called playing the victim. It's like, oh, no, I'm helpless. I'm a victim. I've taken that same mentality with me. We've got to be careful not to play the victim here. We're not powerless. We are not powerless and helpless. At any point, we can take our phones and we can turn them off when it's the appropriate time to do so. Right When you're sitting under the teaching of the Word of God, we'll get into that next week. But when you're sitting under the teaching of the Word of God, our time is valuable. Why waste your time? If you're sitting under teaching, why not pay attention to it? If you're, sit, if you're sitting in worship, why not worship? And You got to be there anyway. You just soon get something out of it, right? Right? And so it's the same with prayer. When you're praying, either go to prayer, setting everything aside and don't be hindered, or don't pray. And man, the pastor said don't pray? Yeah, because I want you to pray real when you pray. I don't want you to fake it. Why don't I want you to fake it? Because if you go into prayer and you're distracted, and you're looking at Facebook, and then you come to your pastor and say, well, I don't hear God. And I say, well, man, you gotta set that stuff aside. If you, if you continue that, you're gonna lose all faith in prayer. And so I'd rather you, the Bible says, I'd rather you be hot or cold, not lukewarm. The same is true for prayer. God wants to hear you. He wants to talk to you. He created you for a relationship with you. That's the truth. And then once the enemy got in the way, In Genesis and kind of messed all that stuff up. He sent his only son to die so that he could get back in a relationship with you. This is not a fairy tale. This is the real thing. This is the truth. I think we hear things so often sometimes we think it's just like a a children's book we read one time. This is real life. And so when you go to prayer, go unhindered. You're not powerless. Take responsibility. Have some self-control and silence those hindrances. Y'all catching this? Did I spend too much time on that? All right, good. So, like we read earlier, Matthew six five through eight, when Jesus talks about the intimacy of things, right? Um, he, he's he's discussing how important it is to come to God. But what follows that, you know, teaching on prayer, I was like, man, God, where do you want me to go? Because there's so many different types of prayer. One of the types of prayer that I that i I really like is I call it being real with God. I love I love David in the Bible. David kept it real. He didn't pray pretty all the time, but man, he kept it real. At one point, we see in one chapter, David's hollering at God and he's saying, Lord, all of my enemies are triumphing. They're victorious and all the people who hate you are getting off scot-free with things. Meanwhile, I love you and it seems like my world's coming down. It seems like you're nowhere to be found. He's telling God this stuff. We don't talk to God like that these days. And then later on, a few chapters later, we hear David say, oh, my God, I praise you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You're so great, God. You've delivered me from my enemy. He's praising God. Man, we would, we would diagnose David with uh, depression, and then one second, and then we'd, he'd just, we'd say he's bipolar these days, right? Now we'd say, man, David was crazy. No, David was real. David kept it real with God. His prayers were real. And so I can go in that direction, and maybe another time I'll preach that direction because I'm... Real passionate about that. But let's do this. Let's look at the Lord's Prayer. Um, If you have a Bible, we're going to camp out here for the rest of this service. It's going to be Matthew 6, verse 8 through 13. So if you have a Bible, if you're old school and you brought your Bible, I see we got some gentlemen up front with one. I always encourage you to bring your Bible. Let's camp out there. Matthew six thirteen eight through thirteen. So in the context of everything we learn, in the context of coming humble, dependent, pure and innocent, and vulnerable to God, setting aside distractions, like your phones right now, setting those things aside. And we look at this. We read first in chapter eight. Therefore do not be like them. for your father knows the things you need you have need of before you ask him in this manner therefore pray now before we get into this the lord's prayer before we get into the our father i feel like we've heard this so much that it gets so repetitive we could recite it with our hands tied behind our back running in circles and our eyes closed we could just recite this prayer but there's so much in this prayer and so let's take our time and just go through it so in, the, in, in verse 9, we read, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right here, Jesus is teaching us to describe who God is to you. So Jesus is saying, Father in heaven, holy is your name. Holy is your name. So when you pray and you go to God, describe to God who he is to you. Declare to God who he is to you. This is going to do two things. It's going to shape your mind and put your mind in right perspective of who you're talking to. And it's going to encourage you because it's going to reshape your mind and tell you who you're talking to. And we'll do that together at the end of this. I'll give you some examples of that. The next verse is, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In this verse, God is teaching you to ask him for whatever's going on in heaven to come down in your life. That's a big deal. And if we really grasp how big of a deal that is, it'll change the way we pray. Because when we think about heaven, God's unlimited grace is in heaven. What does that mean? That means wisdom that we can't even understand. Spiritual, heavenly wisdom, not earthly wisdom. That means peace. That means joy when joy don't make sense. That means grace to do things we normally couldn't do on our own strength, right? That's the kingdom of heaven coming down. That really happens. Next next verse, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. So when we read this, we know, man, what am I asking for? Bread? Absolutely not. What you're saying is, God, I could go on this day without your grace. Um, Atheists go on and live their whole life without even knowing God. But if I'm going to do the things that God has set out for me to do, because he has something for you to do every day, if I'm going to accomplish those things and do those things, I need the grace of God. And so asking him, God, give give me today my daily bread. God is you are saying, God, I need your grace to do whatever it is that you have for me to do. And then we go down to verse twelve and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So right here, we camp out a little bit more. This is oftentimes the toughest thing for us to do as 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 people and as Christians, and that's to forgive people. Um, it's it's we quick to ask forgiveness, but it's hard to extend forgiveness. But right here, Jesus is teaching us an important principle. So in Matthew 18, verse 23 through 25, we'll camp out here. But I kind of want to give a recap. There's this guy, there's this king, and he's got a servant. And the servant owed him a large debt, and he didn't have the money for it. And so the king said, no problem. I'm going to throw you in prison and all your wife and your family in prison. Pretty much paraphrasing here, but I'm going to ruin your life because you can't pay me. And this guy, man, he just crumbled. He hit hit his knees and he was pleading with him, please don't do this. Please don't do this. And the king forgave his debt. Well, a little later on, we read that same guy went to some people who owed him and they did the same thing, but this time he had them arrested. When the king found this out, we read here, James, can you put up uh, Matthew 18:23 through? Oh, I'm sorry, 23 to 5. Don't put that whole thing up. Let's do Matthew 18. Go to 30. Go, one second. Here we go. 32. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, "You wicked servant! I forgave you all that debt because you begged me." You should not, yeah, should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant just as you had, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that he was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to each of you from his heart, um, does not forgive yet yeah, his brothers as trespasses. So God is saying here. Has spiritual ADD. I went on to the next line. Um so God is saying here, hey guys, don't expect forgiveness if you're not forgiving. Don't expect forgiveness if you're not forgiving. So we're gonna pray for that as well. Next verse we read. Um go back to that. Yeah. And do not lead us to temptation to into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so right here it brings up this verse, first Corinthians ten thirteen. I think about this delivering, delivering you from evil. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And so when you're praying this and you're saying, but deliver us from the evil one. And do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You're saying, God, I know that no temptation has overtaken me. That's uncommon to man, but I'll be able to bear it. I'll be able to stand up under it. So I need your daily bread, I need your grace, and I need you to deliver me from that stuff. And then finally, in verse 14, or, or right before verse 14, um, yours is the kingdom and glory of power forever, amen. Right before that, we see deliver us from the evil one. If we go to James 4, 6 through 8, when I read that part of the Lord's Prayer, I think about this verse too. James 4, 6-8 through says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So in prayer, whenever you're saying this and you're acknowledging this, you're saying, hey, God, I'm humbled before you. And I need you to deliver me from the snares of the enemy, from temptations that I, that I'm, I know I'm going to struggle with. I need your deliverance in this. And so you're acknowledging your weakness before God, you're humbling yourself before God, and you're asking for him to deliver you from things that you normally couldn't deliver yourself from. Make sense? So in closing, let's go ahead and stand, and we're going to pray this together. We're going to pray this together. And at the end of this prayer, I just want to have some leaders come up um, to the front. And we're going to do some altar ministry. Um, But let's just go to the Lord in prayer. And the way this is going to work, guys, I want you to just close your eyes and, and pray to yourself. You can pray out loud. You can pray to yourself. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray in line with the Lord's prayer. Everything we just reviewed. And whenever I get to a point, I'll switch and I'll just tell you, declare this. For example our Father in heaven, I want you to declare who God is to you as I declare who God is to me. And then whenever we go to your kingdom come and you will be on earth as it is in heaven, I want you to ask God for things that you don't have, for heavenly things, things that are good, and so on and so forth. Does that make sense, guys? All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we just thank you, God. We thank you for your presence, God. We thank you that you're a God who loves us, Lord. We thank you that you're a God who created us for a relationship. And so, God, just like you taught us to pray, Jesus, we pray, Father in heaven, you are so holy, God. You are so holy, God. You are so mighty, Lord. God, every time that I need you, you're there, God. You're ever present, Lord. You're ever present, Lord. God, you care about every facet of my life, Lord. You deliver me from things I need deliverance from, God. You shield me from things I need shield from, God. You provide for me when I need your provision. God, you forgive me when I need forgiveness. You're gracious to me when I need your grace. God, you're merciful when I need your mercy. God, you defend me against my accusers, Lord. Every time I come to you, you're always faithful to meet me. Never do I come to you, God, and you're not there. You're always there. You're always there. And God, I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I just pray that in my life, Lord, I would have the opportunity to feel your presence. I pray that I would feel your presence on a daily basis. Lord, I pray that I would feel your compassion, the compassion that you feel towards people. I pray that I would have that too. Lord, I pray for your favor. God, in heaven, all of this is so readily available. And so I ask that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. God, I pray that you would give me today my daily bread. God, I pray that every day, Lord, you, you know what my day holds, God. You're not bound by time. You're not bound by time. You've already made it through my days, and you're already standing at the end of my days. And so when I think of that, Lord, I think you know what I'm going have to have to deal with, God. You know what I'm going to have to battle. You know the purpose and plan for my life, and you know the purpose and plan for my day. Now, Lord, I know I don't need you in everything in the day, but I want you in everything in the day. I want your grace, God. I want your daily, my daily bread from you, God. I want your grace, your equipping, your favor, your wisdom, knowledge and understanding on how to go about doing things in my day. I don't want to make those decisions on my own. I want you to be present in them, Lord. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Father, I just come to you, Lord, and I just invite you to just look into my heart. God, I know that you see and know all things, Lord, but you respect us enough to give us our privacy if we don't want a relationship with you. But God, I want a relationship with you. I want you to look into my heart. I want you to look into my life. I want you to convict me of any sin that I have in my life. Right now, begin to ask that from the Lord. Begin to ask him to reveal any sin that you have in your life right now, any unrepented sin. Jesus, I pray that right now you reveal that, Lord, I pray that right now you'd be revealing any sin, any unrepented sin. I just ask the Lord where you are when he reveals that. Just ask the Lord where you are to forgive you. The Bible says, like we read earlier, he is faithful to forgive all those who come to him. And so, Jesus, I just pray that you would forgive me, Lord. I pray that you would forgive me for every sin that you're revealing in my mind, God. I give it to you, God, and I I just tell you, I'm sorry. I repent, God. I pray that you not just forgive me, but that you change me, God, that you change me. Now, Lord, because you're so faithful to forgive me and you're so faithful to forgive everybody in here, God, I pray that you would bring to mind any bitterness that I'm holding on to, any unforgiveness that I'm holding on to. Everybody in here, I pray that you would show them any bitterness and any unforgiveness that they're holding on to. And God, it's not always easy to let that stuff go. And so Jesus, humbly again, we come to you and say, we need your grace, God. Sometimes we need your grace to forgive people. And so God, right now, I pray that you would give us your grace to forgive those that we need to forgive because you're so quick to forgive us. Your word says that there is not one righteous person, not even one. And so God, we need your forgiveness. We're thankful for your forgiveness. And God, we need your grace to extend your forgiveness. We ask that in Jesus' name. And Lord, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, we just declare over our life that we know we're gonna be tempted. We know temptations are gonna come, but we know that you're faithful. We know that your word says you are faithful and you'll never allow us to be tempted by anything beyond what we're able to bear. And you will give us the grace to stand up under it. And so God, Deliver us from that temptation, Lord, and protect us from the evil one. God, we know that as we go through life, not only do temptations come, but trials and obstacles come, and and those things aren't always your will, God. And there's so many tests and things that aren't of you and aren't of your will. God, protect us of that. Protect us from that. Every time somebody enters our life that tries to drag us away from a relationship with you, God, I pray you'd protect us from that. Every time a situation arises, an opportunity to sin or to make a decision that would pull us away from you, I pray that you would protect us from that, God. Protect us from the evil one. And finally, God, we just acknowledge this. We acknowledge that yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. God, we'll be sure to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise, Lord. Now in closing, guys, I wanna have my altar workers come up. And during this time of prayer and fasting, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to just get alone with, with, with somebody. Get alone with one of the altar workers up here and and pray with them. The Bible says that there is power in, 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 in prayer. And it says where two or more are gathered in my name, that, that he's present. Where two or more are gathered in his name, he's present. And so I want to encourage you. Get with somebody. Pray with them if you want to hang around and just pray by yourself. We're going to have some a little bit of light worship going on. Encourage you to do that. Other than that, guys, you're free to go. I'm going to pray us out, okay? Lord Jesus, we just thank you tonight, God. We thank you for your worship. We thank you for your word, God, and we thank you for your presence. Now, Lord, I just pray over everybody in this room. God, I pray that they will be drawn into a sincere, real relationship with you. I pray that that they wouldn't want anything other than that. I pray that they would want a sincere relationship with you. God, I pray that you would draw them into deeper intimacy, God. Continue to draw them into a deeper intimacy with you. I pray that you'd continue to draw them into worship, that you'd continue to draw them into prayer, and God, that you would draw them into spending time in your word. Now, God, I pray your hand of protection over them as they go. God, I pray your hand of favor over them. God, I pray that you would give them blessing, God, as they would come to you, Lord, that they would that they would feel your presence and they would know that you're with them throughout their day. Lord, Jesus, we'll be sure, as always, to just give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram.